Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. All-Americans Network. It's February 28th, 2021. This is Tom coming to you from Sawdust Studios in the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me. He's back in the Houston Outpost. And special treat, Cousin P. Butch joins us from the real Washington, D.C. Outpost. He's actually in the city. Hey, Pat. Good to be here again, guys. Always a pleasure. So this is turning into be the Ben Roethlisberger show out of necessity, but we think we have some good news. Art Rooney and Ben and his man and his uh, agent met and said that they had a productive meeting. Yeah, Ben and his agent met. They met with the Steelers. I think him and his agent meet all the time. Ryan Toner is his best friend from back in the day, but. Uh, yeah, it's the Ben Roethlisberger Show. We keep getting updates on this all week. Art Rooney came out and all but guaranteed that Ben is going to be back for one or for another year. Um, quote, right, with, to help us win a world championship. So the Steelers are not breaking it all down. They're not looking forward to the future. And this has been very divisive among Steelers fans. A lot of people are super pissed off because they're thinking, hey, Ben's at the very end here. He played the worst six-game stretch of his career over the end of last season, even though it did end with the 500-yard game in the playoffs versus the Browns. Yes, with four picks. But, uh, Pat, you and I were talking about this before. The Steelers are in a weird position because they have no money. And so if you lose Ben, you're not getting a quarterback this year. You're going to play with Dwayne Haskins and Mason Rudolph for a year. But maybe losing Ben would help you keep some core defensive players like Cam Sutton and Mike Hilton and keep some of this core intact. And, and, and I don't know how much it helps you beyond that. But what's your feelings on the Steelers keeping Ben for at least one more ride here, trying to compete for a Super Bowl? Or is it something where getting rid of him would help them compete for a Super Bowl the year after? So hard. Uh, I think what helps is being an objective observer so I can detach myself from any emotion behind it. But yeah, you know, um, when you think of the best organizations in football, I mean, if you think of the Patriots, you think about them being so good at knowing when to move on from players. Now, obviously last year for them, um, uh, their quarterback situation and just their offensive situation was such that they, they weren't that good. I think we all expect them to bounce back, but historically they know when to move on. Right. And, um, you know, I just think about that, that the, the Saints watching Drew Brees towards the end there and seeing what a team does when they sort of hold on to a quarterback past that point with no return. And I think, I think Big Ben has m- definitely more than Brees has. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you look at the AFC and it's, you look around and you look at the Chiefs who aren't, who obviously are going to come back, you know, even stronger than we last saw them, assuming Mahomes 
gets healthy and that offensive uh, – Fisher comes back and the other offensive tackle's back. Mm-hmm. The Bills, young on the rise. It's just hard to imagine the Steelers realistically being able to compete for the Super Bowl. And so then you sort of look at at the short term and say, well, again, as an objective observer, I'm, I'm thinking they probably can't make it to the Super Bowl. Really low likelihood. So then you got to really focus on the long, long-term prospects. And that's, that's where I think maybe you're in a better position to try and save as much cap space this year to keep some of those defensive guys for the long term. Pat, your point about the Saints is a really good one and an angle that I hadn't considered before because I feel like the Steelers fans have this idealistic notion that if you get rid of Ben and keep Sutton and Hilton, you're going to keep this defense together for, for five, six years or like you'll be bad for one year and you'll grab a quarterback. When realistically, we've talked about it, the defenses in the modern NFL, they last for like four years tops. You think, oh, the Jaguars, this is going to be a great team for a while. The Seahawks, nope, it's a couple years. So my theory is sort of, hey, by the time you get the quarterback, like you're not going to get one in the draft next year. You're, you maybe could land Rodgers or Wilson. By the time you get the quarterback, the defense is already old and gone anyways. So what's really the point? But I don't know. Maybe you just proved me wrong with that Saints thing because if Drew Brees left two or three years ago when he should have, They'd have two or three years to, to enter the QB sweepstakes, and maybe they could have gotten one of the great guys in the draft or a Matt Stafford or something like that. So that, that is a really good point that you make. Draft season is upon us. Who are the Steelers going to take? Is it going to be a lineman? Is it going to be Najee Harris? I don't know, but why don't we make some money off of our predictions? We can do that at Bet Online. Football is in full effect. Yeah, I'm being serious. The games are over, but the real games begin now with team building. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on all the action imaginable this offseason. Make some prop bets, make some draft bets, make some futures bets for next year's Super Bowl, and do that at Bet Online today and use that promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Bet Online, ching, your online sports book experts. I just think, as it, you know, looking at the, the 2009 Jets team, bring back to my Jets, that, uh, went to the AFC Championship, and they went two years in a row. It wasn't because of Mark Sanchez. And so I guess what I'm getting at is it was because they had a, a good a, a good base of talent around him. And so what I'm thinking of is you guys transition into the next phase post-Ben. In order to be competitive as quickly as possible, you're going to want to retain as much of the talent as you can outside of the quarterback position. Um, outside of that, the only way you're going to be able to open up a new playoff window is if you strike gold at the quarterback position, which is going to be hard to do if you're not picking the top five or top ten. And, and to speak to that, like I guess my point has been a lot of Steelers fans are online just assuming that you'll be able to find the next quarterback. And my implication is that I know there's a lot of quarterbacks on the move now, but it's just hard to get those guys in general. And you like you're still rolling the dice on being able to find that guy. But if you did get rid of Ben, you'd improve your odds, your low odds. You'd improve those low odds of getting a quarterback because you're probably going to have a better draft position if you're playing Rudolph or Haskins. So that helps you. Either actually you're closer up for a trade-up or you have more ammunition with your picks to, to trade to get something. And then you have better players who could also be ammunition in, in trades to try and find that quarterback. Um, so it is like... Hey, the odds are small either way, but yeah, if you did 
get rid of Ben, those small odds would increase a little bit. Well, Najee, we talk about this. You all, I, I saw this the other day, have the hardest schedule in the NFL next year. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, Chiefs, Bills, Ravens twice. By the way, I don't think the Ravens are a foregone conclusion to be a great team this year. I think that the Steelers probably go back to splitting one-on-one -one with them, but that's hard. I think the Browns are going to be hard as hell. And then I did look at the rest of the schedule, and they don't have – it's not as insane – as we thought initially, but they're you're, they're playing some serious heavyweights that it's that they're going to just go in as heavy underdogs anyways, and especially with the scary aspect that Ben limits what this new coaching staff can do. Michael Lombardi just came out with another article, I think for Pro Football Focus or something like that, saying like the reason why the Steelers don't run play action is because Ben doesn't like to be under center, which affects your run game, affects your pass game, and it affects the Steelers' ability to transition into a better modern offense, uh, which they really need to do because, as we know, Tomlin offers them no strategic advantages. You know that Tomlin's defense is going to wear down by the playoffs uh, no matter what happens. And, uh, and yeah, I don't know. I guess you could just raise your, your options of, of, of picking people up if you sell high. You know, it's hard as a football fan. I, anytime you turn the game, you don't root against your team, right? I don't ever root for the Jets to lose, really. I mean, I was hoping they'd get the number one overall pick, but you can't help it when the game is close not to fall back on the years of fandom um, yeah. that you've been a part of, but you need, you know, someone needs to be looking at the long-term best interest of the team. And, um, in reality, the only way to gain, gain sustained success in the NFL, um, is at that quarterback position. And, yeah. uh, yeah. So I, I think that's what they need to be, to be looking towards. So two things, one, have the best bases possible. For the next QB, if that means cutting Ben, that's what it has to be because the reality <laughs> is you guys aren't going to the playoffs. I know. No. Um, you know, and looking at, hey, we might be really bad next year because we have a really hard schedule. And yes. we have a, a quarterback on the decline. So maybe we are in that top 10. And if you look at, you know, Deshaun Watson, Pat Mahomes, you can get a, a Josh Allen. Those guys are all drafted. Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, Justin Herbert. Like, it's getting obscene. You, but you're right. Like, you don't root against your team. Right. But uh, this leads me in kind of the final two points on that subject, which is to have a great franchise, there's a few things that come together. Uh, ownership and, like, uh, GM and just overall, like, long-term strategy. Like, what the Steelers did really well when they brought in Turd Haley and Mike Munchak was, hey, we have this Hall of Fame quarterback who's going to have to retire after year 10 if we do not figure out a way to protect him and if we don't figure out a way to evolve his game. And they navigated that so beautifully because Ben, to me, didn't even truly reach his prime until those killer B years when he became a masterful pocket passer. So that's a long-term strategy. Another long-term strategy be what you're talking about. Like, if you, you can't win the Super Bowl every year. It's, it's not – you can't just will your way to that. So – do you take short-term losses to get another 20-year period of glory like what you have with Ben? That's something to say. The Steelers are also very good about marrying their 
personnel and their football players, they're great at developing football players. Every era, they've done a great job with that. So, but do they do a great job with the new strategy in, in the new NFL with the salary cap and when you can't just rely on defenses? They've done some good things in that area. They've been more open to trading in the past few years, but this is the next big challenge for them is like how creative can they get with uh, you know, the modern structure of long-term team building. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence. Is that an oxymoron? Is, you know, it's very competitive at the bottom of the NFL too. Pat, how many games did the uh, Jets go before they lost their first game? Won their first game? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, it was against the Rams, oddly enough. The Rams and the Browns, the two teams would be two two playoff teams that made it past the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, well, let, or let me make my weeks. point. Yeah. So my, my point is, what, was there any excitement in New York or for Jets fans about the possibility of getting the number one pick? And was there disappointment in winning, starting to win a couple of ball games? Oh, yeah. When it was clear that the Jets' season was lost, which was very early on, uh, I would say every Jet fan, and Rich Eisen's a big one. There are a lot of Jet fans you know, out in the, out in the media, were, were very open about how they wanted the Jets to go 0-16. Talking about, again, you just suck it up for one year. You know, I think about always the Colts, who set the record in a, in a decade for most 12 win seasons or more with Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. He gets injured that one year with that neck problem. They're one of the worst teams in the NFL for one year. And what does that do? Put them in position hmm. to draft Andrew Luck, who, in my opinion would be one of the top three quarterbacks still in the NFL if he were still playing. Yeah. Um, that kind of makes my point, though. It's yeah. even if you tank, if even if you're the Browns, you end up with Johnny football. I mean, it's still you have to lose and lose well. And you have to hope that you get a Joe Burrow. And by the way, that's still an open question or um, a quarterback that's going to be dependable for a decade. Dan Snyder did right. just keep paying money, trying to bring in stars. He tried to beat the market. Like, you know what you're supposed to do in your retirement fund? You're supposed to keep shoving money in there, close your eyes, and look at it in 40 years. I think if you ride the NFL's protocol, which is keep drafting, keep stockpiling your players, when you start chasing free agents or you start tanking, trying to artificially beat the curve in the NFL, you defeat yourself. Or you end up with these crazy seasons where – you know, you could go or multiple seasons where you're just 
you're not going to see any any wins. Right. And who you're, wants that's not entertaining. You're comparing the Browns ability to draft to the Steelers ability to draft though. Like Johnny Football was not a first round pick by any of the elite I'm teams. trying to illustrate nothing is a foregone conclusion even if you can lose yeah, all okay, your games to become totally. the number one draft get the number one draft pick. Right. And actually even to contradict myself the Steelers are phenomenal at drafting, but the last quarterbacks they drafted were Mason Rudolph, who they allegedly had a first-round grade on. They said that multiple times in public, on the record. They put that on their name. Mason Rudolph, first-round pick, and Josh Dobbs. So I don't know if they know how to evaluate quarterbacks at this point, but yeah, so kind of to wrap up this section too, because I know we got to get Pat out of here soon, and I wanted to ask him one or two extra little things here. Um, Dad, I do. I agree with your point. Like, it's not a foregone conclusion that it's even going to work out for you. So, but uh, obviously, it does raise the percentage chance that it will work out for you if you have more assets, which is higher draft picks and more players that you've retained who are young, who you can maybe trade for for other opportunities to get to these quarterbacks. Now, if you're a Steelers fan, you throw this all out the window because we don't want to watch Mason Rudolph play for a year. I'll suck for 20 years before watching him make the playoffs in one year. I won't do it. The man got hit over the head with his own helmet. He can't be the quarterback for my favorite team. It's done. We're, no, we're done. All right? Go away. Nice game against Cleveland. Don't care. Landry Jones had good games against Cleveland. Do not care. Head. Move your head. It's like an orange on a toothpick. You'll have a neck injury just by having to wear the NFL helmet too many times in one season. One game is basically the safe amount of time that that – giant head can support that type of weight on e, there. Move! Move your head! No! <laughs> so, if the Steelers... Okay, the Steelers do have a chance to win the Super Bowl next year, in my opinion. Just the chance is below 5%. Maybe 2 to 1%. Okay? If the Steelers are going forward with that strategy, let me ask you this, Pat. First round draft strategy. And just for the audience out here, I'm almost done with the offensive tackle breakdown, so I'm hoping for next week to be our first little preview in the draft. Everybody knows the Steelers should probably go offensive line with their first eight picks of this draft, but the value is not there at center. It's agreed upon. The value is not there at center for the first round. Hopefully you can get Landon uh, Dickerson or Dickinson, whatever his name is, from Alabama. But that's the biggest crying knee with Marquise Pouncey retiring. And then the Steelers definitely want uh, some tackles, even though they do have some unproven but starting tackles already. And Zach Banner, who was the Steelers' uh, offensive tackle, he just won the position uh, last year, tore his ACL in the first game. And then Chooks Okorafor, who took his place and started the whole year. So it's not like they, don't have, they have guys who have never played. But they want to tackle, but the value may not be there at pick 24, and everybody has been obsessed with Najee Harris, the running back for Alabama, and I've tried to, to talk people off the ledge with that Najee Harris pick for a while until the past week where I have changed my mind and I want Najee Harris because if the Steelers are going down, I want to look forward to watching that guy jump over people every single week and maybe... If the offensive line value isn't there in the first round and you're just going to reach and have another Artie Burns situation, you take the offensive lineman in the second and third or fourth rounds and you take the star running back and now some other teams actually have to respect you uh, in the run game and that could turn you around. Now the, now the caveat is Ben does want to do play action or go under center anyways, but let's ignore that. What do you think, honestly, besides the fact that him being a fun player – 
it doesn't seem like the right time for the Steelers to select a running back because that's usually better for like a championship-ready team. But does it kind of make sense for them to select him given the value and the desire to revamp the running offense in Pittsburgh? I think regardless of the situation, everyone says the best strategy to take in the in the draft is best player available, regardless of position. Um, or at least, uh, you know, really focus more on best player available. If he is by far the best player available, then... Yeah, I, I think uh, you do take it. He is a beast. I've watched him in Alabama for a few years. The guy mm. is, um, he's huge. He's Le'Veon. He, yeah, he's huge. He's strong. Uh, he's relatively fast. He's got, he's got you know, smooth feet. He's got great hands on the backfield. So, yeah, he's Le'Veon. Um, yep. You know, in terms of just for this year, I guess I'd ask you, are you one offensive lineman away? from that being the difference on your offense? No, they're multiple, but I don't think that they might not have one at 24 who really deserves to be picked at 24. So you're, you're, you're not, you might not be getting the value there. And that's not a guarantee. Like they might take Jalen Mayfield or cause The problem is some of the guys they were looking at late in the first round, like Cosme out of Texas and uh, Leatherwood out of of Alabama stunk up the joint at the Senior Bowl practice week, which is, uh, that is a bad indicator. It's not just one game. It's a week full of practices against other players. So now the outlook is changing a little bit on the value at that position at 24. You could, there are some good, I mean, yeah. Sorry, did did Nick tell you my choice for running back? Uh, Jerome Bettis again? (laughs) Close. Bring him back. Close. Adrian Peterson or Frank Gore? Why? <laughs> Your choice in terms of what? That's what we want to play. We don't them. need to. Let's not burn a draft pick on. <laughs> oh, just, just sign let's, them. Let's bring in proven entities who are going to cost about $100,000. Proven entities from a age, decade ago. <laughs> $1 for every year they've been alive. $100,000. You know, they're, they're taking contracts where they get paid by the yard. I think Frank Gore. This will all be proven contracts. He's collecting social security checks. I mean, they could negotiate down (laughs) uh, because they don't have to pay him as much. Yeah, that uh, that's hard. It's hard as a fan. You definitely want to get that sort of exciting player. You know, uh, I naturally am inclined to to build up that line, but I mean, even if the value isn't there, you just be like, hey, look. Maybe we need to take Dickens in the center right now just because he's not going to be available at, at at pick 50 when we pick again. And, like, yeah, we might not need it, but it's so desperate and we need a couple players that just overdraft them, it's fine. If the value's not – I think there is going to be some value there. There, I think it's a fairly uh, somewhat deep offensive line class. Uh, you could get Wyatt Davis. He's a beast right guard out of Ohio State. He injured himself um, in the playoff, but uh, he's a stud. Uh the guy from USC, Beja Tucker, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I don't know if he'll be available, but he's one of those offensive linemen who can play it all, guard or tackle. Um, right. So there may be more value there than, than you think. Um, right, right. But, and maybe uh, if you're overdraft, you're saying like, hey, this is offensive line we're talking about. They need multiple players, and your, your priority should be building an offensive line. So even if you take a guy at 24 who probably should be like 30 – pick 38 or 42 it would still be worth it just because it's such a big project well i guess i'm also thinking again i'm just uh i'm going back to that 2009 season for the jets and you know uh 
as you guys look towards your next quarterback, what you want to do, assuming you're not going to get a veteran, right? Assuming that maybe you're going to get a guy through the draft you need to develop. What you want to do is make sure he's working behind the best offensive lines possible. Give him time um, back there. I, I would never uh, support stretching for a guy. I'm saying I think there's going to be some guys there who are worth taking. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, and you can always trade back, right? I think um, if, Man. You think, if you think there's a guy there at uh, who's on your board at 30 and you're drafted at 24, dra- dra- uh, trade back a few spots. A lot of teams have been getting value in the, uh, those mid-rounds more so than normal. So they're becoming more valuable. So just another thing to consider. But Najee Harris is a beast. That's a great point. And the Steelers, I don't think Kevin Colbert has ever traded back out of the first round in 20 years. But he also hadn't uh, gone without a first round pick in, in many years until they traded for Minka Fitzpatrick. So what I'm saying there is he has shown and the organization has shown the ability to evolve a little bit. They never used to sign free agents. They brought Joe Hayden in and that was one of the big missing pieces to, to, to get a good offense. Same year as Vance McDonald. They traded up for Bush. Then they traded a first round pick for Minka. So just because they haven't traded out doesn't mean they won't. And I actually tend to agree with you right now, man, they have a lot of needs in Pittsburgh. It's so weird because they, they have so many good players, but they also have some needs. And uh, you do have, you know, I said you can't keep these defenses together for more than four years. Well, TJ's got a little bit longer. TJ's got a while where he's going to be a beast. Minka has a while. Bush has a while. There's some things you'll have to figure out with the defensive line, but maybe they do have a chance. And maybe you're, you're preparing for Claypool and Deontay. Long story short, I'm just trying to say maybe this team does have more shelf life than some others. And if you could trade back to like 36 or, or something like that and, and pick up some extra picks and get your linemen at that point, that might be their, their best plan of action. And I would definitely support that if they did it. Yeah. Or... With that first round pick, uh huh, you could, if the New York Jets are able to either one trade for Deshaun Watson, which we all know they should, or number two draft Zach Wilson, and Sam Donald becomes available, who has one year left on his rookie deal, and then you could uh, you could extend him for that fifth year. You could trade your first-round pick for Sam Donald, who, you know, it's so funny because uh, he's had three bad years, and he's actually regressed. I'd say there, there was so much potential that first year, and even second year, and, and last year was just bad. But I still believe in him, and a lot of people do. And I think if you're – every team should be desperate and should be clawing to find the next QB. It's yes. worth taking a chance on it. So, or do you do that? If he becomes available, does it does that mean the Jets are going to take another guy who's willing to sit out a year? Did you guys hear this? Oh, rumor? oh, okay. I didn't even think about that. Le'Veon and um, the Jets take all the guys who are down and sit out a year. That's a good point. Well, hey, look, uh, Sam Darnold's very divisive. Uh, there's a lot of Steelers fans who who think that he'll be the savior if he comes in. There's a lot of people who think, oh, he totally sucks. I happen to fall in the camp of I'm taking a flyer on him for sure. Yeah. For the, for, the, for the reasons that I listed out before, you have a really good team right now, 
and the percentages of you getting Rodgers, Wilson, or a proven, uh, you know, a proven veteran quarterback, maybe there is a Kirk Cousins or someone like that on the move who you could plug into a, a superstar team anchored by Claypool and Watt and Bush and all these guys. Maybe, but there's a lot of other teams who are trying to do that as well. And there's a lot of other teams who are willing to give up crazy prices like the Rams did or what Washington will probably do. Um, the Panthers are desperate to get quarterbacks. And this is very public, uh, the Broncos. So are you going to be able to outbid those, frankly, dumb teams? Uh, like, I don't know. The percentages are so low. So if you could get a Sam Darnold, I have watched him a bunch. And Pat and I, we've talked about it a lot. We just watched him before this podcast. There is at least one or two things that he does on a legitimately elite level which is his intermediate throws are unbelievable. He might be one of the inter- uh, most accurate intermediate passers in the whole league. He doesn't have to set his feet. He throws spirals from that 10 to like 30-yard region across the middle of the field. It's not just dink and dunk. He's not afraid to throw those deep digs and stuff like that. The only problem, he does not throw the ball downfield on go routes. So you beat the Claypool, that's not a great fit for him, and I don't like that. And he commits Jameis Winston like boneheaded turnovers. Yeah. So how much is that of him trying to make up for the worst roster, no offense, in the NFL over the past two years that literally had nothing in it? Well, I think that him getting a scenery change could really help. And if you're the Steelers, I don't know if he's the guy or not. But to me, it will be worth trying to plug him in to, to a great team if he becomes available, even if Ben is still on the team. Maybe that's even better because he gets to learn behind Ben for one more year. And uh, I would support that uh, if, if he was available. Pat, can you opine on the degradation in his statistics over three years? Ooh. Uh, like some, there's some SAT buzzwords right there or something. Mm. I have a headache. <laughs> I, uh, it's just, it's a, uh, it's a difference in two organizations, the Jets and the Steelers. The Jets being a, a bad organization who, um, hired the wrong coach um you know i look you look at like what how josh allen really focused on improving um and the organization helped him do so they went out and got a, a number a true legit number one wide receiver and he worked yep. on things like his his footwork to set his feet before he throws to ensure that his passes inaccuracy was his big issue we solved that we worked on that i watched darnold and he still thrown off his back foot and he does not have a mahomes type arm even though, as Nick said, it's very good at certain levels of the field. Um, and so uh, you have a bad offensive line, so the organization built the team in the wrong way. They're fixing that now. Um, so he was under pressure a ton. And even going back to USC, if you watch his, his film, he was under pressure a lot. Now, um, mm-hmm. he showed sort of a Tony Romo, Russell Wilson ability to kind of run around, dodge all these guys, and make incredible throws. But... Um, not not building the offense the right way from the inside out. So he was under duress a lot. Um, he, he makes some boneheaded throws and decisions, but coaching needs to help eradicate that, you know? And, um, and Adam Gase has proven he's bad at developing quarterbacks. So right. um, I'm, I'm still a believer personally. I, I don't necessarily think the Jets should get rid of him. Um, because he also is a perfect fit for an offense that is a, that sort of uh, that Shanahan style offense, which is the Matt Canada style, right. which, which the Steelers are moving towards. 
Um, the, and the last thing, just before we let you go here, you made another great uh, point about Sam Darnold's uh, main issues being fixable in terms of, I, I hate how he doesn't throw the ball downfield on the sideline on go routes. He doesn't take advantage of that. Joe Flacco went in, and there's a couple games of film of, Dev, uh, of um, Denzel Mims looking like a legit downfield threat catching four you know, deep passes per game when Flacco went in, in there. And Darnold would connect with him a lot, but literally didn't connect with him on the sideline the entire year. You talked about that being a fixable issue, so that's part one of the question. And then part two is just a um, in regards to him making those boneheaded decisions and needing some coaching to fix that. Chris Sims has also made a good point that some of that also is just because they're losing every game. They don't have any good players. He's pushing to try and make something crazy happen. So that could be some, some of that boneheaded stuff could be uh, taken out when you, you play in Pittsburgh. And it's like, hey, we have Minka. We have Minka, damn it. Just don't throw the ball to the other team. He'll get you the ball back. But what do you think about his, uh, his issues being fixable as opposed to, a, in my opinion, like a Tua Tagovailoa who's like, well, your arm can't get stronger. So I don't know what to tell you. No, I mean, I, I, I think they are. I, I think, one, a new environment would help, right? And the Steelers have a, a good culture and a winning tradition. Um, I think that's something mentally that's different to step into. Um, and I, I think get into those, you know, deep passes. He has been bad connecting with guys like Brashad Perriman, Robbie Anderson, Denzel Mims, but he never sets his feet. I think that's yep. so huge on those deep balls. I think they're fixable. I think he needs to enter into a situation where – you take the pressure off of him and you have him throw at least initially, you know, 18 to 25 times a game. You don't really want him throwing 35 to 40. He's not there yet, but, um, you know, take the pressure off of him and have him say, don't do it all on your own, but also realize that you have this sort of magic about you. So don't be so in your head that you're not going to run around and dodge a few guys right. and make some crazy play. Um, I think the Steelers should do it if he becomes available. Also, because he's cheap, right? You got one more deal on a rookie contract. I think um, yep. looking again long term, I think a good play for them is. Uh, and Steelers fan, I'm sorry, sorry if this offends you. You pick him up. You got him on a rookie deal, one more year. You lose Ben. Right, you got to play him. And here's why: because you see, can, can we fix him? Two, if you can't. Maybe you're in position to get another quarterback because he's, right. he's playing poorly. You just um, promote Ben to pres to co-president. That's an easy <laughs> fix. But just, yeah, to wrap up what you're saying, when I look at quarterbacks, and we've talked about this on the podcast for years, what problems are fixable and what aren't? His arm strength is, is fine. It's yeah. good. He can throw a 40-yard bomb. I can throw a 40-yard bomb. A lot of people can do it. The misconception about arm strength being how far you can throw it it, it's just too pervasive. Too many people think that. You cannot fix Mason Rudolph's inability to move around in the pocket. He only has so much athleticism. You cannot fix Mason Rudolph's inability to throw the ball fast in between a window. He's a 20-something-year-old man. Like, that has maxed out. But your mechanics, as Josh Allen has evidence, as Ben Roethlisberger evidence over his career, that can improve with repetition. And, hey, Sam, you need to take five steps hit your hitch, and 
push the ball down the field. You can't keep throwing off your back foot, which maybe would be assisted, to put a nice bow on this, with the Steelers trading back, taking some more linemen. Well, I guess you wouldn't get him if you traded back. With the Steelers establishing an offensive line where Sam's not seeing ghosts and running for his life all the time. But you can fix somebody's footwork. You can't fix their physical talent. And Sam Darnold clearly has talent to be running around NFL defenders and fitting throws in small windows. And I think that if you have a chance to get a guy like that, the Steelers need to take every opportunity to make that happen the same way the Panthers are trying, the way the, what the Rams have done to try to take advantage of their situation and, and go for it um, if he became available. You also can't fix the size of Mason Rudolph's head. That's something you can't it's change too big. either. Too big. Hey, Pat, we need you to go to the shop steward and tell him that this is Sunday night. This is, this is uh, sacrosanct time for the podcast. <laughs> Next time you have to cut out early, but thanks for being with us today. Always this has made pleasure. the show so much better. Uh, Serena's and Steelers Outpost. I hope to be talking to you guys soon. This is, uh, to me as a Jets fan, the offseason is the best time of the year, obviously because the season is not. So there's so much intrigue that you have, to, you have, to, you have uh, salary cap decisions, you have free agency, you have for us the draft, which we always mess up. So, um, yeah, always happy to be on, guys. That is great having Pat here. Takes it a lot is. of pressure off of me because both of you guys spend nothing but time other than your jobs watching the NFL and at least you, particularly the Steelers, but he has pretty in-depth knowledge. His uh, and our philosophical discussions have shaped our, uh, you know, the way we approach football and, and team building. And, and Pat has a great analytical mind, especially for the offseason, not only because his brain just worked great in that uh, field. He's a great engineering mind, mathematical mind, but also he has a lot of experience with offseason uh, hope and, and being a Jets fan. But a lot of uh, historical context, you know, he referenced that 2009 Jets team in, in reference of building a great offensive and defensive line. And yes, the game was very different back then. You could bully people more, but the whole having a good offensive line and defensive line thing has not changed and it never will because if your quarterback has more time, if the line, if the running back has bigger holes, makes football easier to play. So I like the, a lot of the points he had. Um, I think you and I had some great discussions about bringing Ben back and why it is sort of like if you argue at face value, you know, what Pat is saying is right. And I sort of piggybacked off of that by saying, look, it's not a guarantee that you're going to be able to put a great team together if you lose Ben. It's still going to be a bit of a crapshoot. But – if you lose Ben, it does kind of inarguably raise those percentages a little bit because you will have more assets, even if it's not the draft pick, even if Haskins and Mason came in and, and played amazing or the same as an aging, declining Ben, you would have Hilton and Sutton. Maybe you can trade one of them. Maybe you have Juju. Maybe you can trade one of them. So you would have more assets if you lose Ben. But... um you know, as Steelers fans looking forward to watch next season, is it impossible for them to win the Super Bowl? No, but there just would have to be a lot that goes right into that, and I just hope that they keep their relationship solid with Ben so we don't end up with another Troy Bradshaw situation. No, it looks like it's going in the right direction. I would say I disagree with Pat for two reasons. One, he's looking; he's got a jaundiced view of life, having been a long-suffering <laughs> Jets fan, and that's what he looks at, and that's why he likes the offseason, and we do not. What's your so? But what's your strategy though? Because I know you've told me that like, yeah, I don't want to watch a crappy season. I want to try. Even if we lose, it's better that we try to win the Super Bowl. Do you think that it affects the Steeler like keeping Ben 
you don't mind that it would have, that would slightly lower their chances of putting together a great team in the future? Or do you think that people are being naive by thinking that if you lose Ben this year, it's a foregone conclusion that you can put a good team together even after that? Well, I think that's absolutely true. There's no guarantee you're going to get somebody. And even if you had the first pick, you could end up with uh, end up with nothing. I think my point is, it looks like Ben is going to be a quarterback. And what I want to do is I want to look optimistically, realistically, but optimistically about how do the Steelers climb the ladder and go far into the playoffs? What What's it going to take? Is it going to take a perfect season or a bunch of mediocre, you know, uh, not mediocre players. I mean, you have a fantastic defense where that works. And you, I, the way I look at it is the defense could be great. You had to figure out Bud's side of the line, but I kind of like what um, Highsmith is doing. And that you have to have an offense that's above the line, but it doesn't have to be prolific. It makes me worried that we don't have a running back and that maybe this sort of falls into your scenario about Najee Harris coming in. Mm-hmm. Although he would need an offensive line, and that does concern me to some extent. But uh, the way the Steelers can win next year is with their defense and an above-the-line offense. And you are saying that from the angle of a fan, right? You and I talked about it as a GM. You'd have a different opinion because we are making it potentially more difficult to have a good offense by employing a quarterback who refuses to run a lot of plays who uh, doesn't do well with the running offense. The last time they had a great running offense in 2016 when Le'Veon Bell led that playoff push, uh, Ben was actually pretty bad during that run because he does better if he can just sit there and get a rhythm going and, and throw a lot of passes. So, But you're saying, hey, if that, if that deed's done already, let's look at the bright side of all the good things they have. But do you agree that maybe the better decision for the long-term outlook of the team would be letting Ben go and ripping the Band-Aid off? For the long term, yeah. Yeah. I'm just looking at this as a foregone conclusion. Ben's back next year. Right. What's the what's the way forward? And they have a lot of great players. And, you know, a lot of things would have to go right for them. But uh, it's just not that insane to think that these things, that Chooks and, and Banner can be good, that Canada can make the offense go from 32nd in, in rushing to 24th. You know, even that will be an improvement. Maybe Deontay and Claypool break out to a significant extent. Yep, if you keep Ben, you also might be making that quote-unquote great, great collapses in the end of every season. Defense the, uh, worse because weapon. you're going to lose players. And the secret weapon? Who's that? Zach Gentry. <laughs> yeah. Woo. Got to draft the tight end too. So, uh, I know we're talking in circles around here a little bit, guys, but uh, I'm sure you're having the same conversations. I know that Twitter is having the same conversations. And honestly, this is part of the most, uh, this is the fun part about football, too. There's no right answer, and it's such a complex puzzle, and you can look at it in a myriad, a myriad of different ways. And hey, the Steelers usually do better when they're expected to do poorly. How scared can you truly be of the Browns and Ravens, right? How, how hard is the schedule, truly, when those dirtbags are over there? Lamar's going to throw us the ball. We know he will. Baker's going to poop in his pants once Odell gets back on the field. Oh, no, I have to throw to Odell. Oh, I threw it over his head again. We know it's going down like that. So, yeah, not a foregone conclusion, but just fun to look at from a team-building drill. And um, uh, you don't want to ever talk about the greatest athlete in history uh, by rushing him out of the door. But every good thing comes to an end. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye.